presentation today and lead some practices, so I'm glad you're all here. I um, was inspired by, well, I've been inspired by sometimes when people find out I teach meditation. People, it seems like a few years ago people would find out I teach meditation and they would just think it was weird and they would not really say anything, but now when people find out I teach meditation, they think, they often say, that's really cool, I wish I could do that. That's really cool, I wish I could do that. I hear that a lot. It's, it's like, I wish I could calm down my mind enough to meditate, I wish I could sit still, I wish I had time, all these things. Or even people will say, I wish I was more spiritual so that I could meditate. And so I was thinking, well, I mean, you don't have to be spiritual to meditate, and you do have time, and you, you, you probably can do it as well as I can, which is, that is, it's always a struggle. But, so whenever people say things like that, I just think, oh, they, they think this is easy for me. They think this is easy for me and not for them. And my response to that is just, we call it training because it is challenging. Because it is challenging. I don't meditate because it's easy for me to be calm and be present and be aware. I meditate because it's actually hard for me to do those things. So meditation helps me be better at those things. So um, meditation is a term for different spiritual practices that have goals like increasing awareness, concentration, focus, relaxation, and then wisdom. And that is, I define wisdom as knowing how to make the best decisions. So the truth is that when we're not very clear on the world around us, when we're not paying attention to what's happening, it's easy to make bad decisions. It's easy to just lose our ability to think clearly and just make bad decisions. So that's something we're trying to get better at. So meditation, um, I'm gonna go over some common misconceptions that I hear a lot. And this is specifically about the meditation I teach. It may not apply to all, all meditation teachers might not agree that these are misconceptions, but I think these are heavy misconceptions people have. And number one is you have to sit perfectly in order to meditate. And uh, we're gonna go over different ways you can sit when you meditate, but I don't think you have to sit exactly one specific way. And there are people that think you do. Um, I think that said, when I'm at home, I don't meditate in a chair like we're gonna to do today. I do meditate on the floor. But I, I do think meditating in a chair is okay as long as you're sitting up straight. I don't, some people will sit like this and be like, I'm meditating. And I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that. But people, people definitely do that. They'll just, there's all sorts of things people do. And I don't think you have to sit perfectly, but I do think we have to have an idea of, we are doing something, we're trying to be at attention because what we are doing is important. And another misconception that people have, this is a big one, is that it doesn't count if your mind wanders. It doesn't count if your mind wanders. And that is not correct. That is, I like to say that trying to meditate counts as meditating. So if we sit in our position and we just sit and we're really just waiting for the timer to go off and we're not really able to clear our minds at all, we just have, we're thinking of this and this and this and this, we're still trying and trying is what matters. So it's just like, I like to compare it to working out. So 
if I want to be able to lift a lot of weight and I go to the gym and I start working out, I'm not able to lift 200 pounds on the first day. I'm not, not even on the 10th day, right? Not for a long time. And it's the same thing. We're trying to learn how to be more present and more aware and more focused. And we have to do this again and again and again and again to be able to do that. And another misconception people have is that meditation takes just an incredible amount of time. And I don't think it has to. I think just doing it consistently matters more than doing it a long time. Um, I hear about people that sit and meditate for two hours a day every day, and I don't know how anyone does that, because I don't. But um, consistency is what matters more. What I do at my home, in my home practice, what I do is I put the kids to bed and I meditate for 20 minutes right after, and I do that every night. I have four kids, so my only opportunity is right when I put the kids to bed, because otherwise there's, you know, there's stuff happening. Thankfully, my kids are pretty good at going to bed and not coming out a lot. They weren't always, but they are now. So that, that's how I personally find the time. I just do it right after the kids go to bed. It fits perfectly into my day. And another misconception people have about meditation is they think it is religious or they have to be religious to do it. And what I like to say is if you don't like religion, you can still do this practice. And if you have a religion you love, you can keep it. You can still do this practice because nobody says being fully present is bad, right? So I don't think of it as a religious practice. If you're a religious person, you can just make it, you can do it anyway. And if you really don't like religion, you can do it anyway as well. It doesn't, it's not one or the other and it doesn't have to be. And Another misconception people have is people think meditation is just for relaxation. I've heard people say that before too. And the, the problem is that word just, right? It's not just for relaxation. It's, that's one of the benefits, but a greater benefit is it helps us be fully present. It helps us be more aware of the world around us and to see clearly because a lot of the time we don't see clearly. I like to say that we sleepwalk through life sometimes. So we just are doing one thing and then we're doing another thing and then we're doing another thing. We don't have a lot of intention behind our actions. So for example, when you get in your car to go somewhere and it's somewhere you've gone before, you're not even thinking about the driving you're doing. You're lost in thought or whatever and you're not present and people get in car accidents because of that. And if you've ever been going somewhere and then suddenly you're there and you're like, oh, I don't remember any of those turns, right? That is terrifying, right? So that, that's what I mean by sleepwalking through life. But also, if you've ever had the experience where you're, you're talking to someone, and even if it's someone you really love and care about, you still will catch yourself and realize, oh, I'm not listening. I'm not listening. Has anybody experienced that? I'm not listening at all, right? And that's, that's sleepwalking through life too. We're just, we're just, we're missing everything. So med what meditation helps us learn how to do is just have a more full experience of life, so we stop missing everything all the time. I've, and I've heard people say things like, you know, my kid was just born and now they're graduating high school. And I, I really, I, I mean, I relate to that some. My kids aren't grown yet, but I have a 13-year-old and I still think of her as a baby. So that's, we're missing things. Things are going by too fast. And then some people think meditation is about zoning out. and. 
I think it's really the opposite of that. I would say zoning in, but that doesn't sound good. But I would say zoning in, just being fully in our experience and not, not ruminating on what happened before and not thinking about what we're doing later, but just being fully here and not anywhere else. So um, I do also, though, I do say meditation one thing we need to remember is meditation, I say, is not a victory march. And that is, we don't want to beat ourselves up when we're struggling to do it. Because we're going to struggle to do it. And we don't want to beat ourselves up. We just come back to the practice. Every time we find ourselves leaving the practice because we're daydreaming or whatever, we just come back to the practice. We're, there are, I've been doing it for nearly 20 years. And there are always days when it's just really hard and it feels like it's going nowhere and it feels like I'm wasting my time but I'm not it also it helps we're training our minds so we want to kind of but we want to kind of hold on loosely and not be so obsessed with results Some, a lot of times in our culture I think we're obsessed with results and we want to right away we want this to get better we want to be able to do this right away we want immediate results and it's just like going to the gym you're not going to get immediate results right hopefully what will happen is what you'll discover is you have a little bit of a space and that is at some point something will happen that you would react to and you're going to have a second where you think oh is that the right reaction to this incident and you'll actually have a moment where you can make a choice rather than just sleepwalking through all our decisions so that's what it helps with. It helps with just having that moment so we can respond to the world instead of just reacting all the time. Because that's what we do. We just react all the time. Um, one of my kids asked me to take her roller skating one time. She said, can we go roller skating? And I said, well, no. I like to make plans for things. I don't like this immediate, I want to go roller skating right now. And she, it ruined her night. It ruined her night because her response was disappointment, irritation, boredom, just to take everything rather than just accepting that sometimes we can't go roller skating. And I think we all have a lesson to learn from that because when we get disappointed, we sometimes get really upset and we fall apart. So um, the teaching that I the meditation style that I like to teach, and we're going to do two different ones, but the main one that I like to teach is called silent illumination. And the words aren't accidental. It's called silent as, as in we have a lot of chatter going on all the time. And what we want to learn in our heads, that is, and what we want to learn to remember is there is, there is serenity. There is silence underneath that. So the same way it can help us to think about our struggles and our thoughts and our delusions it's like clouds and our mind is like the sky. Like the sky is always there and clouds are just passing through. So when we think things like I'm irritated or I can't handle this or, or when we suddenly are thinking of something that happened two years ago and we're obsessed about it and we can't concentrate or focus on what's happening now these are clouds and we're trying to get back to that that clear sky.
And so that's what silent means in silent illumination. Then the illumination means just seeing things clearly, seeing the world as it really is. Because the truth is that we are, every one of us, we're carrying a lot of, a lot of baggage. We're carrying expectations. We're carrying uh, labels we put on the world all the time. And sometimes those are helpful to us, and other times they are not. Other times they are not. So when I, for example, if I see someone in an NRA hat, I immediately think I know things about that person. I immediately think I know things about that person. And that's not fair because I don't, but I've got labels in my head that tell me I know things about that person, right? Or even, or if I see someone in a red hat, right? Then I think I know things about that person. That may not be fair. I don't know anything about that person, right? So that is a labels and baggage that I'm carrying in myself, but also, we have expectations of the world around us too. Like I said about my daughter, she expected me to say yes to go roller skating and so she was upset. We bring expectations into all our experiences and all our relationships and what meditation can help us do is just see when we're doing that. See when we're doing that. So I could see someone in an NRA, NRA hat and I start to think certain things about them and then I catch myself and I think, oh, I don't know if any of that's true, right? So we can hopefully stop those wheels from turning, or at least slow them down, or at least know it's happening. All of that makes sense? Okay. So, um, are there any questions? Okay, so I'm gonna talk about going to talk about how we sit first. So what I like to do, and when I sit on a cushion on the floor, which is again what I do at home, I sit in a position that's called the half lotus. And the intention of this position is it makes it so your feet don't fall asleep, because there are lots of ways you can sit on the floor where your feet will fall asleep. So that, that's the position I sit in when I'm on the floor. That said, though, we're not on the floor today, right? So in a chair, what do we do? And it's important to have a plan for what all our body parts are doing. Because if we don't have a plan, then we can fidget very easily. I'm a fidgeter, so I definitely have to have a plan. And if you're anything like me, you need one too. So in a chair, I think firmly planting your feet on the floor. And that is, again, if our feet are firmly planted on the floor, then our feet aren't going to fall asleep and we're not going to come to a point where we feel like we, we're going to minimize our need to adjust ourselves. That's the point, to minimize our need to adjust ourselves. And we want to have our back straight, so which is, of course, in a chair like this, it's pretty easy to have my back straight. The chair's helping me, right? This is actually a pretty good chair for this. I think like in a couch or in a comfy chair, that's a little bit harder. It's really easy to just sit in a really relaxed way, and I don't think that's any good for us. I've, I have found that when I, when I, my mind is wandering, when I'm losing track of the meditation I'm doing, then I check my posture and I notice, oh, I'm slouching a lot. We think mind and body aren't connected sometimes, and we're wrong, they're totally connected. So a straight posture helps our mind be straight. And with your, let's see, with our hands, there's two different versions I recommend. And one is called the bowl, I call it the bowl. 
Um, and it's just one hand on top of the other, thumbs gently touching, resting in your lap. Fancy people call this the cosmic mudra. I think that's ridiculous, I call it the bowl. But either hand on top. And then the other one I recommend is called relaxation and it's just, just hands on your knees. Just the point is there's a plan for where your hands are supposed to go and you keep them there as much as you can. So let's see, hands, feet, back. So with our eyes, um, I normally like to do an eyes open practice. I think that's really challenging to do in a place like this because there's people in front of you and you're gonna be looking at the people in front of you. So for this situation, I will recommend an eyes closed practice. Normally what I like to do, what I like to do at home is I have an eyes open practice and I have my gaze a little bit downward on the floor. And I really couldn't do that here either because this floor has a lot going on here. <laughs> so I'm just gonna say have an eyes closed practice. So We're going to begin by doing a practice that I call the healing breath and it's a very slow breathing practice. Its, in, it's purpose is to kind of separate us from our day-to-day -day life and bring us into the meditation space. So what the healing breath is, is it's a very slow breath in for for a count of five, breathing in for a count of five and then holding a br our breath for a count of five and then breathing out for a count of five. So it looks like it looks like this. Breathing in. Holding my breath. Breathing out. So we will do that three times and I will I will direct you. So breathe in. your breath. Breathe out. Breathe in. Hold your breath. Breathe out. Last one. Breathe in. Hold your breath. Breathe out. Now we're going to do the practice that is called mindfulness of breathing. We'll do that for a little while and then we'll switch to another practice. So what I want you to do is bring your attention to your breath. We can either focus on the breath coming into and out of our nose or the rise and fall of our belly. Just bring your attention to that. This is something that's happening all the time, but we don't pay much attention to it unless there's a problem, right? So that's what makes it useful as an anchor. So whenever 
a thought comes in to distract us whenever we start thinking about what we're doing later or we start wondering what that sound is we hear or we start thinking, why did I go to meditation? We just bring our minds back to the breath. And that's what makes it our anchor. What a lot of people find helpful is to do a counting practice. So on your breath in, you mentally note one. And on your breath out, you mentally note two. In one, out two. And that, the purpose of that is it gives you something very specific to go back to. So when you start to think, I want to get out of here, you just go back to one on the next in-breath. We don't want to beat ourselves up, though. We want to just go back to one rather than just following a train of thought and thinking, I want to get out of here. What am I doing after this? What am I doing after that? We want to just go back to one. So we'll sit and do that for a few minutes. And again, whichever you prefer, whether whatever's easier for you, focusing on the breath coming into and out of your nose or focusing on the rising and falling of your belly. Both are good. But we also don't want to jump back and forth. We want to pick one and stick with it. Sneak over there and shut that door. In one, out two.
want to just try to be aware of the circumstances around us. So we want to just feel our chair beneath us, feel the floor beneath us, feel how we feel, just notice sounds when we hear them, just notice thoughts coming into our minds, and just, just notice that, just notice I'm thinking. Just come back to this moment and not be lost in thought, and not have a thought and then another one and then, then another one, but just label that thought thinking and come back to this moment. We want to just have the widest possible experience of everything that's happening around us. We hear a lot of sounds, we feel the floor underneath us, we, we feel our clothes on us, right? We are, we're having all sorts of feelings and thoughts. We want to just label these but not get carried away by them. Just label them and notice them and come back to your present experience. Some people find this very difficult and, and that's okay, but we're, we're training to get better at it. So we'll sit here for the next few minutes just doing this until my timer goes off.
so um, that is the meditation practice. Um, if there are any questions or comments, I'll take those. And if not, we'll just go home early. Yes? So, because I really struggle with the thoughts that are just racing, racing, um, what's your trick or tip to just let them go? And um, so, the only trick is to do it again and again and again and try to get better, unfortunately. So, what I really recommend is, if you can, a daily practice. A daily practice. Because it, it is so hard, right? And I struggle with that as well. So I think if you can find a time to do it every day, like right after you get up or right before bed, I think that is the best thing you can possibly do. Yes? Is it, I mean, could you use a word or something like peace? <laughs> I, I, so that's not what I do, clearly, but I think a lot of people find a lot of value in that. Either, either a word like peace in English or a word in a, some people really like using a word in a foreign language like om. Or something, and I think that's good too. If if that helps you, that is um, another focus. It's the same as focusing on the breath. It's another focus to bring your attention to, to bring you back. And I think I think that's good as well. All right. Thanks for coming, everyone. I've got um, a sign-in sheet if you want to give me your email address, and I've got business cards over there if you want to take one. Please take one.